This is All the Cool Parts number 10 from May 14th, 2010. Hey everybody, welcome to All the Cool Parts number 10. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman. On today's episode, we are going to look at the CD put out by the Naxos classical music label. Uh, It's the first in a series of presentations of this particular uh, series of CDs that I'm going to present. The CD series is called the Laureate series, and it focuses on young up-and-coming performers, usually the winners of some kind of performance-based competition. We're going to start off this series with the CD of classical guitarist Steve Kostelnik. This is a really special edition of All the Cool Parts, partly because it's the inauguration of me presenting this series of CDs that I really love, uh, like I said, put out by Naxos, and um, they just have this really great idea. I love the idea behind these CDs, basically giving these young, up-and-coming, super-talented performers their kind of first professional shot at a you know recording that's distributed worldwide and um uh it's it's just a great thing to do and i want to try to present all these there's at this point there's quite a few of them so i don't know if i'll be able to present all of them however that's my goal um the first one we're presenting uh classical guitarist steve kostelnik um uh I will explain why I chose this recording to kick off this series uh when our special guest co-host uh when his segment comes up. So I'm going to um introduce him right now and just a little read a little bit from his biography. Uh we're joined today by Dr. Jonathan Culp. And uh, John is currently the Associate Professor of Music History and Theory at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Uh, He holds the Margaret Chauvin Steen Villamez B.O.R.S.F. Endowed Professorship in Music. Wow, (laughs) that's a long title. 
Uh, he began his music studies at age eight, taking up the classical guitar in high school and going on to earn a degree in guitar performance from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. At UTC, he studied guitar under Mario Abril and composition under Peter Temko. Culp also holds a master's degree in music theory and a Ph.D. in musicology from the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, Dr. Culp is a contributor to the New Grove Dictionary of Music and to the German Encyclopedia Die Musik und Gesekte und Gewart. <laughs> oh, man. He has published two articles on Argentine composer Carlos Guastavino in the Latin American Music Review, and um, he's a very, very active um, in the field of musicology. And he's also a very active classical guitarist himself and also a composer. And um, he's had his music played uh, really very widely, especially by guitarists. He's written a lot of guitar music, and he's written a lot of songs, song repertoire for uh, guitar and voice. Uh, So we will be joined by John as our uh, co-host, and... uh, We'll get to that in a minute. First, I need to introduce our featured performer on today's show, Steve Kostelnik. And uh, I will read a little bit from Steve's bio here in the program notes, uh, or the liner notes, I guess, of the CD, his Laureate Series CD of Naxos. And I'll be doing this for all the performers every time I uh, do one of these CDs. Uh, So Steve Kostelnik. Praised by Soundboard Magazine for his lyrical playing and remarkable counterpoint, and I totally agree with that, Steve Kostelnik, born in 1970, is recognized as one of America's most promising young guitarists. He has distinguished himself as a performer in numerous competitions, most recently being selected as a semi-finalist in the prestigious New York Concert Artists Guild competition. He was also awarded the coveted Naxos Prize at the 1996 Guitar Foundation of America International Solo Guitar Competition. Other honors include top prizes in the 1995 MTNA Wurlitzer Collegiate Artist Competition and the 1990 Southwest Guitar Festival Competition. In 1996, Kostelnik was named a Distinguished Alumnus of Southwest Texas State University, where he studied guitar under William Gangell and completed a Bachelor of Music degree in 1993. He also holds the degree of Master of Music from the University of Texas at Austin, where he is currently pursuing a Doctor of Musical Arts degree under guitarist Adam Holtzman, and he has finished that, so he is a doctor by now. Um, And uh, we will get to... uh, You'll hear all about Steve Kostelnik and why I chose this recording, and... John and I's uh, personal connection to Steve and you will also hear just an amazing performer um, on this CD so without further ado uh, let's get to John and I and uh, start playing some music we're here with Dr. Jonathan Culp musicologist and composer uh, professor of musicology at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. And um, welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks. Always great to be with you, Tony. Yeah, uh, really appreciate you coming on um, for this uh, first presentation of this Laureate series that I plan on doing. Um, hopefully I can do 
all of the CDs eventually um, that have come there out. There are quite a lot of them by now. Yeah, there there are a lot. Um, provides a lot of material for the show, but um, mm. also I what I love about these CDs and why I'm doing the presentation of these CDs is uh, I just love the concept of taking these young up and coming performers and giving them a venue, a sort of like first professional recording venue, you know, for themselves mm. and um, to sort of introduce them to the world. I, I just, I really like that concept. I think it's really cool. And um, that's pretty much why I'm doing these. Uh, well, I decided to do these particular CDs um, and the, we should, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, we should mention that their, um, CDs are on the Naxos label. And, um, uh, I certainly salute Naxos for having this idea to have this whole series of CDs that feature these young artists. Usually they've just won some major competition or something of that yeah. sort. And they get as part of their prize package to record a CD for Naxos, which of course gets immediate worldwide circulation. Right. And uh, we chose, or I chose for the first Laureate series CD that we were going to present, the CD recorded by Steve Kostelnik, guitarist Steve Kostelnik. And the reason that I chose this uh, particular one as the first CD is because both John and I have connections to Steve. Mm -hmm. So we are friends of Steve, personal friends of Steve. We both went to school with Steve Kostelnik uh, at the University of Texas in the late 90s. And um, John, you have even more connection to this CD, personal connection to this CD. Uh, The last two pieces on the CD, you composed the Danza Mm -hmm. Dominicana and Danza Cubana. And... You wrote the liner notes to the CD, in, which I think is really cool because it's, again, another instance of Naxos not just giving sort of a first professional op- opportunity to a performer, but also giving one to a aspiring musicologist, as you were at the time. Uh, yeah, that CD was a great opportunity for me as a musicologist uh, to get to write liner notes for a disc that was going to be you know, distributed worldwide, but also um, a really nice chance for me to get my own music out there in front of people. Now, that's not due to Naxos. That was Steve's doing. He He's the one who decided to record the pieces, and he didn't even tell me beforehand. He recorded them and then told me afterwards that he had done that. At least I, I think that was how it went down. Oh, but uh, I would definitely have to have to thank Steve for thinking enough of my pieces to do that. And, uh, I mean, I wrote them for him initially. Uh, they're, well, I have performed them, but they're hard for me. Steve is a much better guitarist than I am. haven't really mentioned that I am a guitarist yet, but I am. And I can play them, or at least I used to be able to, but they're, they're much harder than what I'm comfortable with playing uh, myself. Mm-hmm. So I had heard I had heard Steve do the pieces in recitals, and he did great with them. But it was uh, just a really nice thing for him to put these on the CD with all the rest of these great composers. Yeah, absolutely. And the well, there's a story 
I don't know if, how much we want to get into this or how much we want to speculate about it, but there's a story, um, as you said, uh, with these Laureate series CDs, it usually comes with some kind of competition win for these uh, performers, whether right. they're, you know, whether they're a guitarist or violinist, cellist, whatever. Um, and uh, the way it usually works is if they win the competition, part of the prize for them winning the competition is this Naxos recording on this uh, Laureate series as part of their prize if they win. Um, this was not the case uh, with Steve and the 1996 Guitar Foundation of America competition. He actually placed third. That's in, right. Yeah, in the overall competition. And traditionally... As I said, the Naxos Prize went to the first place winner. Steve was uh, the third place winner, and he ended up with the Naxos Prize. Um, do you want to comment on this at all? Or? Well, clearly I'm happy about it because uh, he's a friend of mine and he recorded my pieces. Um, I, I could understand certainly the winner being a little bit miffed about not getting to record the CD. Although I think he, who was the winner that was it? It was Dennis Azab. No, no, no. That you know, year it was uh, Fabio Zanon, which he actually Zanon, yeah. he did record a CD later. He did later record one, yeah, but initially yeah. did not get the Nexus Prize. Yeah, if I were Fabio, I would have been upset uh, for I'm sure, sure that but, he was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but. In any case, it it all seems to have worked out okay. Yeah, I guess, yeah. though, there was some controversy regarding uh, that's why this Naxos Prize ended up in Steve's hands. One of the reasons was that the decision, the final decision of who the first, second, and third place winners were, were was evidently, uh, wow, evidently? Um, evident, <laughs> evidently controversial. Um, That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, and and they ended up co uh, compromising by splitting this prize and in giving the Nexus prize to Steve, which right. um, yeah was was very unusual. But it ended up uh, working really well for listeners and people who like this series because we ended up with uh, Laureate series CD from Steve and one from Fabio, which is also a, a great recording that I'll eventually end up doing mm -hmm. on the show. Um, so it worked out well for everyone, although I'm sure Steve wasn't happy about, um, I know for a fact <laughs> that he wasn't happy yeah. about placing third, but um, but I know he was happy with the uh, Naxos prize. That's so, a pretty good consolation prize. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a mixed blessing kind of at the time. But um, so, uh, you know, personally... Um, you know, I like to set things up for listeners and get as personal as I can, you know, um, because uh, I think it just, you know, enhances people's experience when they hear the music. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when I was a student, this is when I knew Steve, I was an undergraduate student at the University of Texas, and I was studying music composition, but I was also studying classical guitar. And every week um, we would... Um, under our maestro, Adam Holtzman, who's the um, head of the guitar department there at the University of Texas in Austin, um, we would have what's called rep class, rep short for repertoire, every Wednesday afternoon. So this is where all the classical guitar students would 
come to the same place on every Wednesday afternoon. Adam would be there, and everybody would play what they were working on for the class and for Adam, and it would turn into sort of a master class type uh, atmosphere. And um, I remember at the time, Steve was playing a lot in class because he was preparing for this competition, and he was playing all these pieces that are on this CD. And so I got to hear every week Steve play these pieces and work through these pieces. And uh, it was a, a an amazing experience for me uh, of just starting out sort of um, learning this stuff as an undergraduate, as a very young person. Um, so it, it, this CD has a lot of personal attachment for me. Yeah, and, I would agree. I mean, I saw uh, some of those master classes myself. I didn't go every week because I was not in the studio, but I have been to some of them. I even played in some of them when I was working on uh, voice and guitar things or stuff like that. And um, you probably were at the recital where he played all of this, too, his master's recital. And mm-hmm. I think it was in 1996. That was one of the best guitar recitals I've ever been to. Yeah, um, uh, Steve... Um, is a very dynamic player and visually he's one of the most dynamic players I've seen as far as classical guitarists. Um, I don't know why that is. It's just, um, I don't know the way he moves, the way his hands move, something about it is just very visually dynamic. Um, when you watch him play and, uh, so anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's get, um, let's get right to the music. Um, the first excerpt that we're going to listen to is the first track on the CD, um, Monsieur's Almain by Daniel Batchelor. Daniel Batchelor was, uh, a British composer. He lived from 1574 to 1619 and, uh, was, uh, it's in some circles, i.e. Wikipedia, <laughs> It says that he was one of the most famous English lutenist composers alongside John Dowland at the time. And if Wikipedia says it, it has to be true, right? Sure, man. Yes. Um, He worked for many British lords and uh, ended up working for Queen Queen Anne of Denmark. Um, Another interesting parallel to John Dowland, who was working for the King of Denmark at the time. Hmm. Um, the, uh, the actual piece, the Monsieur's Almain, uh, comes from the, this book of a bunch of lute pieces that was published, uh, I don't know the exact year, early 17th century, um, called the Variety of Lute Lessons. Uh, this was published by Robert Dowland, the son of John Dowland. And the piece is basically a theme and variations, um, and it, I think the main point of the variations is uh, to show off the various virtuoso techniques that were available on the lute at that time. Uh, it's a real virtuoso showpiece. And, um, yeah, anything you want to say about it? No. Um, one, of, one of the things I like about it, it's got this very strange ending. You know, it, it has this big flourish up to the end. And then it has right at the end, like this pentatonic descending 
line. Do you remember the part I'm talking about? Yes. That I mean, <laughs> pentatonicism sounds so weird in this context. So it, that's the the part of the piece that's always struck me the most. Yeah, that is a really unusual. Um, I don't know, just feature of this piece. It's not in the excerpt that I'm going to play, but um, it gives you, you know, more incentive to go buy the CD and listen to the right. whole thing. <laughs> so in this excerpt, we're going to hear uh, a lawnmower outside. <laughs> and we're it's going, allowed. yes, um, <laughs> we're going to hear uh, um, virtuosic arpeggios, dazzling counterpoint choral textures, uh, fast scalar passages, some very tricky ornamentation. I mean, we're going to hear a bunch of stuff in this one excerpt, and uh, Kostelnik really meets all of these challenges just fantastically. Next up, the uh, our second excerpt is from. Wait a second. What what was that last one? The last one was. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> now look, it, it, when I was a radio announcer, you know, we always as soon as the music was over, we uh, would always tell them what we just heard and who was playing it, and you know what the uh, they're listening to and all that. See, that's never why. Uh, that's why I never got hired at a radio station. <laughs> um, because uh, I just don't do that. But um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so the next excerpt is uh, uh, from the Sonata for Flute and Continuo in E Minor, BWV ten thirty four of Johann Sebastian Bach, and uh, I think we should talk a little bit about the original piece uh, because. I think it's pretty amazing that Kostelnik is playing this on guitar, <laughs> especially right. if you if you actually go back and listen to the original piece, which I highly recommend anyone do because it's a it's an amazing piece. But the original piece is for exactly what the title uh, says. It's for flute and continuo, meaning a continuo instrument or some kind of harmony instrument. Uh, usually harpsichord. So it's essentially a piece for a sonata for flute and harpsichord. And um, possibly cello as well. I mean, a lot of times in the continuo, uh, a bass melody instrument would also play along. That's so right. That's right. It could or have e- been three people playing this. That's right. Or even uh, viola da gamba. Viola da gamba, uh, yeah. Or, 
so yeah so um this piece would have been played by two possibly three different people and um here we have it kind of squeezed <laughs> together mm-hmm. and condensed together for one guitarist um and this this transcription was done uh Kostelnik didn't do this transcription it was done by it's guitarist david russell. david russell yeah um who's uh one of the most famous finest greatest um <laughs> classical guitarist uh around that's ever played the instrument really yeah um and uh this particular movement that we're going to listen to is uh the third movement the andante uh this features a really beautiful both accompaniment and melody um in the guitar and uh it's a real departure from the kind of heavy counterpoint of the rest of the piece and uh this is a uh, one thing that Kostelnik really excels at is contrapuntal playing mm-hmm and um, he's really able to separate these contrapuntal voices. Now here, um, it's really obvious you have a you have an accompaniment and a melody um, that he's able to separate really beautifully. But even as we'll hear in um, excerpts I'm going to play later uh, that have really heavy heavy counterpoint, he's able to um, separate the voices quite well. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I would say that um, a couple of things. First of all, this movement it stands out among the four movements of the sonata. It really stands out. Uh, for one thing, it's in a contrasting key. It's in G major instead of E minor. And also, as you pointed out, it's very, very lyrical and beautiful with a fairly clear separation of melody plus accompaniment rather than equal voice uh, counterpoint. Also... <clears throat> Excuse me. The the first thing you're going to hear in the melody is a series of three kind of long held out notes, and unless I'm mistaken, I think I remember that in the original flute, that's just one very long sustained it is note. Yeah, and of course on the guitar, you can't sustain a note like that because you're not breathing the note. And so, what David Russell decided to do to try and imitate that was just to um, articulate the note three times to allow it to hold out that long um it's very nice i've got an anecdote about this one too um i don't know if you were if you were there but at one point at ut when we were all students there the united states marine band came to play at angel hall not angel hall it's uh bates recital hall sorry angel is where i am here um (laughs) um, okay no that's that's the last plug you're gonna throw in for your university sorry about that (laughs) As a slip of the tongue there. But the, the U.S. Marine Band came to play, and I went to the concert. They were really, really great. And Kostelnik was there kind of outside on those green couches, and he was practicing for his recital. And he happened to be playing this piece during an intermission, and the flute player for the U.S. Marine Band walked by and heard Steve playing that piece, and he had his flute in his hand, and he just picked up his flute and started playing along with Steve. On the melody, he knew the piece by wow. memory, and uh, it was so beautiful. And uh, Steve was just incredibly stoked uh, to hear it, and you know, to realize that this guy in the Marine Band was just such an incredible flute player. It was a it was a really nice moment. Yeah, and uh, wow, I'm sorry, I somehow missed that. Yeah, well, 
Yeah. Well, that's you missed that, out, man. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, well, let's hear Steve play this uh, beautiful Andante. We just heard guitarist Steve Kostelnik playing the third movement on Dante from Bach's Sonata for Flute and Continuo in E minor, BWV 1034. That's from a CD called Guitar Recital, part of the Naxos Laureate series for guitar. I'm Jonathan Culp, a guest host here on the podcast with Anthony Joseph Landman, All the Cool Parts. You really miss radio, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> putting on my radio announcer hat again there. Uh huh. Very nice. Very smooth. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next excerpt that we're going to go to is from the same piece um, that John just smoothly announced, and uh, this is the uh, final uh, movement of that piece, the Allegro. Um, and this movement. Uh, we can really hear Kostelnik's masterful handling of really difficult counterpoint. Um, here um, we have this kind of very fast-moving two-voice texture um, that constantly kind of swaps places with one another. So you'll hear this moving line in the upper voice against a repeated note figure in the bass. And then this gets flipped around so you have the repeated note figure in the upper voice and the moving voice in the bass and then uh, Bach just continually flips these around um, very in a sort of rapid fire manner and uh, Steve I don't know he does an amazing job at delineating these two separate voices that I again have to point out um, in the original piece these voices are played by two different people you Mm -hmm. know Um, And here they're being played by one person.
next excerpt we're going to hear, excerpt number four, is from uh, the romantic composer Johann Kaspar Mertz, um, his Hungarian fantasy, Opus 65, number one. And Mertz was, uh, well, he was, he lived from 1806 to 1856. Uh, he was born in Hungary, although um, he spent most of his professional career in Vienna as a concert guitarist and composer. Um, he was a child prodigy on both guitar and flute, which I found kind of interesting. Yeah. And um, he really turned the guitar from a more classically based instrument um, that came before sort of um, talking about Fernando Sor here or Mario Giuliani um, and brought it into the more romantic world, sort of closer to piano and, and the music of uh, Liszt or Schumann or Chopin, these people, and um, kind of brought the guitar into that world. Right. And uh, this piece is representative of a lot of his works in that, um, at least to my ears, it's really inspired by the opera traditions of the time. Uh, it starts out with, I think it even says in the score, um, quasi recitativo or something like that, where it sounds like it's an opera recitative. And then, um, according to the you know, structural conventions established by Rossini in opera arias, it then has kind of a lyrical cantabile section that's then followed by a fast movement. And then finally, the excerpt that we're going to hear, um, the brilliant finale, which in an opera aria would be called the cabaletta, where the singer just goes crazy showing off just incredible skills, running up and down scales and arpeggios, hitting high notes and all that kind of stuff. Here we have the guitaristic equivalent of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really here, Merritt's just, man, <coughs> he just pulls out all the stops for this. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's really, uh, it is really over the top. Uh, as, I mean, it's it's kind of delightfully over the top, but it is over the top. I mean, it's just this um, kind of just over two minutes of dazzling virtuosity and a lot of things um very guitaristic a lot of things i think are related to piano like these quick Mm -hmm. fire octaves and all this kind of stuff um that you'll hear in this and uh yeah let's just play it it's just a kind of a tour de force of crazy virtuosity that always brings the house down i think it's uh one of the main reasons that steve plays this piece Thank you. 
Okay, so the next excerpt, excerpt number five. Uh, this comes from Agustin Barrios Mangore, um, his Preludio, Opus 5, number one. This is uh, heavily inspired by the preludes of J.S. Bach, and um, it has many, many contrapuntal figurations that Bach would have used in his own music, but it's set within uh, Barrios's kind of Latin American musical language and rhythmic sensibility, so um, it can really be nothing else but Barrios. But the Bach... Um, the Bach influence is clearly heard in this. And uh, a little bit about Barrios. He lived from 1885 to 1944. He was born in Paraguay. Uh, and um, he was an interesting character for the time. Um, he often took on this, I don't know, it was kind of an alter ego or or what. Um, this... this <laughs> This alter ego of Nitsuga Mangore, uh, Nitsuga being his name, Augustine backwards. Right. Um, and didn't he dress up in crazy clothes and stuff too? Yeah, he would dress up like a native Indian from Paraguay. Uh, 